Open your Bible, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. Are we okay tonight? Can we just talk for a minute? First Corinthians chapter number 14. 1 Corinthians 12 starts out with, uh, Brethren, I wouldn't have you, brethren, I wouldn't have you, brethren, to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, con- concerning spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 starts with, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, if I have not charity, if I have not love, I am but sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. One translation says I'm just making racket. So what I'm talking about, what we're going to talk about here for just a few minutes, is the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, specifically I want to talk about tongues. We had a lot of people this past Sunday get filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And anytime that that, that, that takes place, we want to make sure that we uh, have a, keep our foundation firmly rooted in the Word of God and we're not, we're not uh, off in the land of fanaticism. Uh, we're also not in the land of pacifism. We are trying to be in line with the Word of God and not necessarily uh, just doing something for the sake of doing it. Uh, So 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, this is one of Paul's uh, most concise and and focused teaching regarding uh, tongues, uh, specifically in a corporate environment. But verse number 1 says this, says, follow after uh, charity, which is love, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather, or especially, that you may Prophesy. Now we're going to talk about prophecy a little bit more here in a minute, but the Bible says right here clearly to pursue. The word follow after literally uh, in the Greek is pursue. Pursue love. Pursue charity. Pursue brotherly love. Pursue being kind. Pursue exuding the goodness of God. Make that be the thing that you pursue and then also desire spiritual gifts. Meaning you don't want the gifts to be what you are pursuing at the, uh, at the risk or at the negligence of love. The entire gospel hangs on love. The Bible says faith, hope, and love exists. The greatest of these is love. Love is not going to change. The Bible, in definition, defines God as love. The Bible says God is love. So for you and for me, it's critical in the spirit-filled world, because here's the scenario. Things are going to be happening over the next 10 years, 15 years, and people are going to need answers for them. And they're going to be going to different places. And we don't want to just be uh, the people that experience something without being able to explain what we've experienced uh, with regards to the Scripture. Now, I'm not saying that everything that's ever happened in your life, you can find a Scripture to reference it. I'm just saying, don't hang your hat on anything outside the Scripture. God can do anything at any time. At one point, the Bible says that regarding Jesus, that there's not enough books on the planet to to hold all the good things that He did in His ministry. But that being said, you and me have to have something that we go back to that is our stabilizing factor. It is our centering piece. It is the thing that holds us true and firm. And it is it is not on somebody's opinion 
but it's on the inspiration of the Spirit of God, and that is the B-I-B-L-E. So anything in your life that you experience and you believe it to be God, uh, nobody says that it's not. Just make sure that your doctrine is formulated on the Word of God. So from that standpoint, the Word of God says to pursue love, make love the primary focus of your pursuit, and then it also adds and desire spiritual gifts. Somebody say amen. amen. We're not trying to pursue spiritual gifts at the loss of love. If we're going to have to risk one of them, we're going to risk the gifts. We're not going to risk love. You can win somebody with love that you can't win with the gifts. The gifts are made to work hand in hand with the gospel and the good things of the kingdom. But at the same time, if you're just a nasty person, but you can speak in tongues, I don't even care. We need to pursue Love. If Jesus was walking the planet, you would say, that guy is full of love. If Jesus was walking around right now, you'd say, that guy is filled with compassion. So, uh, number one, we want to make sure that we put charity, that we put love at the highest priority in our life. Verse number two, for he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him, howbeit uh, in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. He's praying out things that he doesn't know. So for you and for me, uh, it is a, a very a powerful thing to speak in other tongues. Uh, the Apostle Paul later in this, own, in, this, in this verse says, I speak in tongues more than y'all, or excuse me, the chapter previous, I speak in tongues more than y'all. But the, the scenario is tongues are a powerful thing, but tongues are not how me and Matthew communicate. Me and Matthew don't have a meeting and, and go uh, uh, sit at Starbucks and, and, and just, you know, uh, pray in the Holy Ghost and, you know, Oh, I know. You know it, it might look impressive from the outside, but the bottom line is our minds are not being at all quickened. They're not being at all, uh, I'm not understanding what he's saying. He's not understanding what I'm saying. Our spirit is praying. Our spirit is making intercession. Our spirit is praying out mysteries. Our spirit is praying things that we don't know. So in our life, tongues are a critical and overwhelming weapon that we ought to use. And I spoke on this just briefly uh, Sunday. But the, the thing is with tongues, if you're in the camp that says, well, you know, I, I don't know if I, I don't know, you know, what do I have to do to stay saved? Or can I still do this and be saved? Is, is it okay if I uh, smoke a little bit of weed? Can I still be saved? Or what if I smoke a lot of weed? Am I still saved? If you're in the camp of trying to do that, what you need to do is you need to get your mind renewed because a child of God is not looking to figure out what they can get away with. They're looking to figure out how they can get closer to their daddy. Does that make sense? So the gifts of the Spirit, they're, they're not necessarily for somebody who's one foot in, one foot out. They're not for the person that I'm not sure, I'm, you know, I'm still one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. No, the gifts of the Spirit are for the edification of the church, for the building up of the church. But for you and for me, uh, tongues is a powerful weapon, but it's not the way we communicate with one another. 
It's not the way we communicate in prayer. If you come up here for prayer, uh, I'm not saying a prayer partner is never going to speak in tongues, but they're not just going to pray in tongues and then go tell you to have a nice day because you don't know what they just prayed and, and, and the Spirit of God is definitely praying through them. But at the same time, you want a word in due season. You want to hear the word of faith. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you want to hear something from the Scripture that then connects with your spirit that causes faith on the inside of you to manifest in a way stronger than it was before. And tongues is not what that's designed for when it comes to me talking to you. Unless we interpret, which is a whole other uh, scenario we'll get to in a minute. Verse number 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men. Here is, here is the definition according to the Apostle Paul, who I'm going to stick with. Uh, the Apostle Paul's definition of prophecy in the New Testament is found right here in 1 Corinthians 14 and 3. But he that prophesies speaks unto men for three different things. To edify, unto edification, exhortation, and comfort. Number one, prophecy is for edifying, for building people up. Again, I'll go back to this. If you're a nasty person and you pray in the Holy Spirit, but nobody can tell that you love anybody, you're just you're just filthy. Everybody, you got a problem with everybody. Uh, you, you, you're, you're this, that, and oh, now also you're a prophet, and everything that you ever say to anybody is thus saith the Lord. God is mad at you, and He's about to rain fire from heaven on your head. And you know, I can't believe you did that. And ten years from now, you're going to have a calamity happen to you, and it's because you thought this thought when you were four years old, or or whatever. Listen, you're you're not a prophet at all. You're not even kind of a prophet. I'm not talking to anybody in this room. I'm just trying to make sure that we understand New Testament prophecy under the New Covenant is for edification. It is for the, the building up of somebody else. So from that standpoint, I prophesy all the time when I'm ministering. I don't always stop and say the Spirit of the Lord says this unless, I'm, unless I sense the Lord wants me to make that kind of a statement. Uh, but, but the Lord will quicken something in me and I'll just begin to prophesy and I'll begin to speak strength over somebody. And it might be that I know who it's for. And, and now granted, I'm in a completely different office. I'm talking to several people all at the same time. So I may see somebody in this section and I know that the Lord's trying to get a word to them. But instead of just stopping and saying, you right there, stand up, because the Spirit of God says this. And I'm not knocking anybody that does that. There's a lot of people that do. Occasionally I'll do it. But the scenario is, is if you just tell the truth, that person will receive the Word from God, and then they can trust the Holy Ghost instead of having to trust me. Because the minute I say, God said, or the Spirit of God says... Now you either have to believe that I'm a prophet or you have to believe or you have or you have to believe that God is only talking to me and not to anybody else. Amen. Our lives as spiritual people as spirit-filled people still need to line up with the word of God. We still need to be subject to the Word of God. So New Testament prophecy includes edification. So again, if I'm ministering and the Lord is quickening a word in my spirit and I know that there's something and it may be somebody in this section, so I will just preach and that word will come forth and then I'll just keep on moving because I'm not necessarily looking for the recognition. I'm looking for the, uh, 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 I'm looking for the manifestation to take place in their life. Does that make sense? 
Sometimes in our lives, uh, God is going to tell us, look, you need to be real direct, which this has happened several times in my life where the Lord has told me to be real direct. And I'll either call somebody. Sometimes I've driven to their house to listen to me. This is what the Lord's telling me right now. And you can take it or leave it. I know I'm hanging myself out there by saying God's telling me. But the bottom line is, is this, I believe, is what the Lord's speaking right now. Now, those things happen, but it doesn't have to happen that way for it to be prophecy. Number two, New Testament prophecy is for exhortation. It's for encouragement and refreshment. Encouragement or refreshment. Meaning your life, if somebody is prophesying to you, you ought to feel the healing balm of Gilead flowing through your body. That doesn't have to be exactly like that. But there ought to be a refreshing that comes over you. You know, the Bible says that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. One of the uh, closest opportunities we see that happen is whenever Moses is leaving the Israelites through the wilderness and they all got thirsty and they needed refreshing. And the Bible says that Moses struck a rock and out of that rock flowed water in the wilderness. Well, the the, the scenario is Jesus, the Bible says, is the uh, building block that was rejected that became the cornerstone of, of our kingdom, of the whole new world. So for us, for you and for me, Jesus is that rock in the wilderness that whenever we strike it in the right season, the right time, refreshing pours out. So if you are constantly prophesying over somebody or somebody's constantly prophesying over you and it's not causing you to be comforted, it's not causing you to be encouraged, it's not causing you to be refreshed, then it might not be from God. Number three, uh, prophecy not only edifies, not only uh, uh, exhorts, but it comforts. It's consoling. It's calming. So again, uh, somebody coming and, you know, telling you, boy, it rained yesterday, rain tomorrow, going to rain next week, and your house is probably going to float off on the river and everything's going to be terrible. That's not comforting. Now, if, if God gives you a specific word, uh, that falls more closely into the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. This, this prophecy right here that the Apostle Paul is talking about regarding the New Testament church, specifically regarding spiritual gifts concerning tongues and prophecy, he is not necessarily talking about uh, soothsaying, seeing the future. That's a completely different thing. It's, we, still clap, we still, in this day and age, we call it all prophecy. But, but when somebody tells the future, that's a completely different scenario. But if you are a prophet of God, or if you are prophesying, uh, the Bible says in several different occurrences in the New Testament where people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not only did they uh, uh, get filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues, the Bible says they all began to prophesy. And it's not saying that they all uh, began to uh, tell the future. So ten people are sitting here, they all get baptized in the Holy Spirit, they all speak in tongues, and then everybody goes down, well, in 2015, this is going to happen, 2016, this is going to happen, 2017, that's not what it's talking about. It's saying that they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and prophecy began to come out of them. You began to know that they were filled with the Spirit of God, not just because they were speaking other tongues, but because you immediately saw them begin to build other people up, promoting other people's growth, exhorting other people people, encouraging other people, refreshing other people, comforting other people, consoling other people, and calming other people as the Spirit of God gave them the ability to do so. Amen? 
But he that prophesies speaks uh, unto men to edification, exhortation, comfort. That is the New Testament definition of prophecy. Verse number 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. I'm going to pray in tongues right now. When I pray in an unknown tongue, I am building myself up. But he that prophesies, meaning when I stand up here and and, and in the service, I speak a blessing over your family and over your life, I'm building the church up. I'm building people up. I'm building you up. I'm building my family up. So when you pray in an unknown tongue, that is something that empowers you. It brings you to the place of edification. It's like recharging your battery. If you don't know what to do, thank God for the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues. If King David would have had the Holy Ghost, I imagine he wouldn't have had to pray so long in the cave. Encourage himself because he would have just prayed in the Spirit and encouraged himself. But the problem with King David was not King David's problems. It was Adam's problem that started in the garden. He was born in sin. Therefore, he was not a clean vessel. Therefore, the Spirit of God that dwells in you and me that can live inside of this vessel that has been washed white as snow, it is now empowering me and you. He's now empowering me and you to pray things out that we don't even know we ought to pray, which then begins to edify ourselves. Tongues is edifying yourself. Prophecy, New Testament prophecy, is edifying the church. Verse number 5. I would that you all speak in tongues. I would that you all speak in tongues. That's a very important word there. All. Tongues is, Paul says, I wish everybody would speak in tongues. That means I wish everybody at Kroger spoke in tongues. I wish everybody at Chick-fil-A spoke in tongues. I wish everybody spoke in tongues. But rather that you would prophesy. Meaning I wish you would, if I could pick, I wish you could all speak in other tongues because it's a powerful thing and I speak in tongues more than y'all and it's an amazing thing. I sing in the Spirit, I, I pray in the Spirit. Tongues is a major part of my life. But I, if I had to pick, I would rather that you edify each other, that you exhort each other, and that you comfort each other. I would rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the Lord may receive edifying. Meaning, uh, sometimes the, the, the gift of speaking in an unknown tongue as a sign of the infilling of the Holy Spirit does not necessarily have attached to it the gift of interpretation. Uh, but there is a gift of interpretation also. So at times there may be a a time where somebody's praying in the Holy Spirit and somebody else is getting the interpretation thereof. And and I've used that word very specifically, interpretation. It's not a translation. It's not a direct translation. If now obviously from the way that I said glory adios, you guys realize that I speak Spanish very fluently. Just kidding. But if somebody were to get up here and preach in Spanish, and we were to have an interpreter, 
They would speak in Spanish, but every word and syllable and conjunction and adjective and placement of the adjective does not necessarily line up direct with the English language. And then if you want to go from Spanish to Italian, from Italian to German, you're talking about, uh, and then you want to go from German uh, to Chinese, and Chinese, they don't even use letters, they just use, you know, symbols for the whole word. So, you know, a, 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 a book this thick in, in, is this thick in English, and it's like this thick in Chinese. Because every, every word is a symbol. So, so the translation, if we tried to translate it, we would have a problem. That's why it's so imperative that we have people that can interpret. So if somebody says something to me in Spanish, I need somebody to interpret what they said, not try to go line for line and translate every single word. Does that make sense? So there is a gift of tongues and a gift of interpretation. That is not necessarily the same. Uh, It can happen at the same time. I've seen it that way. But it's not necessarily the same thing as when you pray in the Holy Ghost, when you're edifying yourself, the Bible says, when you're building yourself up, when you're praying out mysteries, when you're praising God well, when you're singing in the Spirit. It's not necessarily something you're going to, uh, it's not necessarily something you're going to interpret. Uh, Another uh, keynote to, to speak about, there's nine gifts of the Spirit, and every one of them was an operation before Calvary, before Jesus, except for two, tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Now, obviously, the interpretation of tongues is associated with speaking in other tongues, uh, but, but the reason that the gift of tongues was not in operation before Jesus died is because the blood of Jesus is what, is what cleansed us this vessel that now enables the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of us. You see, the Holy Ghost couldn't dwell and make residence on the inside of something clean. Because have you ever noticed that if you take a dirty rag and touch a clean bowl, the clean bowl does not make the dirty rag clean. The dirty rag makes the clean bowl exactly. So you and me had to be cleansed by the spotless blood of Jesus in order to even be a candidate to have the Holy Spirit make residence on the inside of you and me. So tongues and the interpretation of tongues is a different, uh, uh, it's a different thing than just the sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse number seven uh, says, Now, and even these, even things without life give sound. Verse six. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall profit to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. Meaning if I speak in other tongues when I'm just up here talking, if I just came in here and started preaching in tongues, how would I help you unless I began to revelate or give you the knowledge or the understanding or the comfort or the exhortation associated with the good news of the gospel? If all we did was come in here and speak in tongues and all I did was come in here and speak in tongues, we'd have nothing but confusion. We'd have nothing. Nobody would understand anything. Uh, Everybody would just be, you know, trying to figure out what happened, what didn't happen. So that That's why we don't forbid speaking in tongues at all. But at the same time, it's more important whenever you're in a situation where you're trying to teach and you're trying to help people that you do it in the language that they can understand. Now, if if there's a word coming and God wants to interpret it, that's a different situation. Uh, But at the same time, uh, verse 7 says, And even things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or harp, 
Except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it uh, be known what is piped or harp? Meaning, if I ask Matthew to come back up here, and, and he were to uh, get on his keyboard, and instead of playing it so nice like he does, if he were to just take his elbows and his feet and bang all over the keyboard, and uh, Brandon would get back here on the drums, and instead of playing them so nicely, he just threw them up against the wall, they would make all kind of racket, but that racket wouldn't have anything to do with anything that could be understood Therefore, it wouldn't profit you and me. They might be having a good time. Brandon might enjoy throwing drums up against the wall, which, matter of fact, uh, he probably would. But, but the scenario is simple. Uh, the Bible says that God is interested in Jesus' wife. Jesus' wife is the bride. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. How many of you have daughters in here? Are you interested in your daughter's well-being? That's the scenario. So God is saying, uh, Apostle Paul is saying, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. And tongues is amazing. One of the most powerful gifts imaginable. And we're not going to forbid it or anything like that. This is Paul talking. We're not going to forbid it, anything like that. But I really wish that if I could pick one or the other, that you would edify, exhort, and comfort the people and do it in a way that it can be understood because a banging set of sounds that's not played appropriately doesn't have any profit for the people hearing it. So in our life, as we flow in the gifts of the Spirit, as we do our best to flow in the things of God, we want to make sure that we're benefiting the church. Uh, Skip down to verse number number 12. Even so, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel. Listen right here, this is important, this is critical. Even so, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel, right here, to the edifying of the church. God is interested in His church benefiting from the gifts. If you took your gift to a wedding and then found out that the bride and the groom couldn't use it or never received it, or put it on the back shelf and never touched it. Or, or somebody uh, smashed it in delivery. Now you're talking about the gift not edifying the church. Not, edify, not building up the bride. Same scenario. A good gift makes you love the giver of the gift. So if you go to a store, my wife likes this this store. You guys might have heard of it. It's called Tiffany. And they wrap everything in this light blue wrapping paper with a, I believe it's a white ribbon. She was in here. She could tell you because she knows. So when I got married, I found out. I was like, well, what, what, what she, wonder what she wants for Christmas. She said, oh, I'd like a necklace, a Tiffany necklace. I said, okay. Do you like Tiffany, Tiffany? Okay. So, uh, a Tiffany necklace. I'm like, okay. So I go down to the Galleria at Christmas time, which, y'all, I'm from East Texas in a little old bitty town, and I'd never been to the Galleria, and I'd really never been to the Galleria at Christmas time, but it was a mistake. 
So I got in there and I can't park anywhere. I don't know where to go. There's just people everywhere. And, and, I, and, I get, and, and outside the store, there's a line. And when I say, I, I, I mean literally, the line was from this wall to that wall and back of people. Just standing there. All holding a little piece of paper. And I thought, surely that's not the line to give somebody money. That must be a line to like win some money or something. So I, I, I bypassed the line and I walked up to the counter and I said, uh, I said, yeah, I'd like to buy a necklace. And I had the model number written on my hand. I said, I need to buy this necklace, please. And she says, uh, okay, what's, what's, what's your number? I said, what's your number? What are you talking about? She said, well, you got to get a number. I said, oh. So I got a number. And two and a half hours later, after I got done waiting in that line, I get up there and I said, I'd like this necklace right here. The number. She brings it over. I saw it's pretty. Same picture she showed me. That's perfect. I'll take it. And she said, it's, I don't remember how much it was. X amount. I said, no, no, no. I just want one. (laughs) She goes, "Uh, sir. I said, well, uh, do y'all have any deals going on? And she looked at the line out the door. She said, no, sir. We don't have any deals. I said, okay. I said, so uh, I'll take that necklace, please. So I ended up getting the necklace. But, but the thing is, when I gave Crystal this Tiffany's necklace, the box was there. The box was ornate and pretty. But once she took it out of the box, I probably put it on her, she put it on, whatever. She didn't go and pick up the box and hug the box and run around the room with it and put the box in her car and, you know, put the box in the bathroom so she could see it while she's brushing her teeth. Look at this pretty box. Because the box was just carrying the gift that I gave her. You are the box. If you can't get the gift given in a way that points back to the giver, then change the way you give it. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Him. Gifts make you love the one who gives it, not the package that it came in. Now, now we ought to be a pretty package. The Tiffany box is wonderful. I even like it. She's got a coffee mug. That, that is in the sh- it has like the colors of the tip. It's like a tip. It is a Tiffany coffee mug. So anyway, but I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I reach for it on purpose because <laughs> it's nice. I'm like, man, that is a nice thing. So you, the package, should be a good representation of what's inside you and the one who sent you. If you say, I'm filled with the Spirit of God, I flow in the gifts. If you don't believe I'm from God, then then blue, 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 blue. Well, maybe you should change your tactic box. Maybe we should get some nicer wrapping paper. Something that's a little bit more ornate. Maybe you should make absolutely certain that on the back outside of your box, it says, to so-and-so. Love God. You see, a gift makes you love the one who gives it. Not just the package that it comes in.
Speaking of which, we just bought a dryer not too long ago, which transformed into a playhouse. And I burned it today or yesterday, one of the two. But the package, when that dryer came in, my wife was happier about the dryer, this is true, than she was about that Tiffany necklace I bought her 10 years ago. Because she was so sick and tired of me fixing that old busted dryer. <laughs> that thing would, it would always quit working like with a load of jeans in it, you know. It would never quit with like two socks in it. It was always with something that had to be dry tomorrow or whatever. And I'd be like, oh, I'll fix it, baby. Don't worry about it. And I'd get under there and I'd, you know, tie it together with duct tape and paper clips. It's going again, baby. She was so happy about that thing. But my children could care less about the dryer. They just wanted the box. The Bible says that we're to be like children in malice, but we're to be like adults, men in understanding. Let's not focus on the package, the packaging. But let's focus on the giver of the gift and make sure that if God happens to be using us as the delivery vessel, that we're doing a good job of representing who the gift comes from and not trying to make sure that we are paid attention to because really the only people that pay attention to boxes are kids. Bible says, continuing here, I'm going to go real fast. Even so, as much as you're zealous of the spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel in the edifying of the church. Verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For by praying an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding, my mind is unfruitful. That's why you got to read your Bible. You can't just pray in tongues all day and, and not put the Word of God in you because your mind would be unfruitful. Verse 15, what is it then if I pray, I'll pray in the Spirit and I'll pray in the understanding. Also, I'll sing with the Spirit and I'll sing with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall they that occupy the room of the learned say amen at your giving of thanks? Seeing he understands not what you say. Meaning, if somebody just got up here and prayed in tongues, how does anybody know when to say I agree with that? Because nobody understands. Verse 17, for thou very, verily givest thanks well when you pray in tongues. So he's talking about it. But the other is not edified. Your mind is not edified. I thank God. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. Verse 19. Yet in church, I would rather speak five words in the understanding in English than I would in tongues. That by my voice, I might teach others than 10,000 words in the Spirit. Skip all the way down to verse number 39. I'm just going to read it. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, meaning be eager to prophesy. And look, that's not saying that, that you're, you're, you got to be eager to go and tell somebody their future. You do not want the burden of somebody's future on your shoulders. The Bible says that the government was upon his shoulders. You don't want it on yours. 
But be eager to prophesy. Be eager to go and edify somebody, to build them up, to, to come to uh, the, 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 these people up here that are they, they, they're pouring their hearts out and singing. Be eager to come and build them up. Say, you know what? When you sang that song, it just blessed me so much. Be eager that when, when you meet somebody in the back and, and they, they greeted you with a smile, be, you know, be eager to go and say, you got, you're just the nicest person. To, I needed that more than anything. Did you know they might need to hear you say that? And then all of a sudden you get to this place where uh, you're starting to benefit them, they're starting to benefit you, and wouldn't you know it, iron starts sharpening iron. Be eager to build somebody up. Be eager to comfort somebody. Be eager to, to exhort somebody. And then I guess so it'd stay confusing. <laughs> he says, and forbid not to speak in tongues. It's really not confusing at all. He's saying, look, this is of God. This is for God. This is about God. But when you're speaking to somebody else... Do your best to let them see God shining through you and not you with a little bit of God. Last verse. Let all things be done decently and in order. I'm going to translate that directly. Let all things be done decently and in order. God is a God of order. He measured heaven, told us how big. He told Noah how big to build the ark. He told uh, 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 Solomon how how big to build the temple. Make this, make that. He told Moses how big to do the tabernacle in the wilderness. He's very specific. He wants things in order. Your life, he's designed it with order in mind. That's why there is a peace to knowing your bills are paid. There's a peace to knowing that your children aren't sick. There's a peace to knowing that things are in place. There's a peace to knowing that your retirement account is doing well. There's a peace to knowing that your children are getting an education or getting an education there's a piece of those things because God is a God of order and when you start to get things in order you start to flow in the things of God in a way that he originally intended and orchestrated to do so the scenario is twofold. You don't want to get too far on this side where you're going, no, 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 no. We're going to be rigid. Here's our plan. This is what we're going to do. And, 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 and that's just it. And this is our, this is our 10 year, absolutely uh, no questions asked, not budging from the plan, plan. And this is the way it's going to be. If a burning bush tries to change my mind, I'm not changing my mind. Don't be on this side of the fence. But then on the other side of it, don't be on this side of the fence either where you walk into every single place you go and you're weirding everybody out because you don't speak any English or Spanish or Italian wherever you are. You're just speaking in tongues everywhere. Well, the Bible just said the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament, who spent his life practically in prison because he was a prisoner to the uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, he just got through saying that when we sit around speaking in tongues, nobody understands what we're saying. That's not to say that we shouldn't do it because he finishes the thing with saying, forbid not to speak with tongues. And then earlier, a few, cha- a few verses earlier, he says, I speak in tongues more than all of y'all. I pray in tongues. I sing in tongues. Tongues is a big part of my life. I, I am just a tongue-talking machine. Love Paul. But at the same time, let's get that right picture. Wait a minute. He's the giver. I'm the gift. No, I'm not the gift. This gift is on the inside. I'm the package. 
carrying this gift that should benefit the receiver. You don't you don't go to a wedding, you know, and give them a bucket of mud. It doesn't benefit them. The gift comes to you, the package, and you distribute it. Amen. Stand to your feet. I'm done teaching. Did y'all receive anything tonight? so important to be clear on things in Scripture. And it's also so important to uh, go back to the Scripture. That's why we do it over and over. Because our minds, we just, we just, we just go and we, cut, we start to drift in our thought patterns and our ideas. But the Bible says that the, that the Word of God is something that we can come back to. Any and every time. And when we do, not only do we get more built up, not only do we get more information, we also, the Bible says, we get our faith built up. Amen? Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.